We live in a broken world, a world that is devastated by injustice, by brokenness. We see across our world the rich and powerful exploit the poor and needy. From the enslavements of Mauritania in Africa to the red light districts across Asia and Europe, we see the needy, the poor are exploited. Injustice abounds all over our world. We live in a broken world where, where babies in the womb are discarded as diseases and problems, and the elderly are seen as a burden. Today, we begin a three-week series in the book of Micah. Micah is known as the poor man's prophet. He is one who is championing the poor. He is preaching against injustice in his society and in his culture. Throughout this book, we are going to see him prophesying against the mistreatment of the poor and marginalized, those who are most likely to be exploited in that culture, even by their own people. A key verse that, that many of you may know is Micah 6.8. And it's where Micah tells us what the Lord requires of his people. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Over the next three weeks, we're going to meet a prophet who prophesies against the injustice found in his country. Yet, with, with all of this judgment, with all of this, this sin, we see sprinkled throughout each section a great hope for the people. And it's in a Messiah, a Messiah King. This Messiah will come and he will rescue a remnant that God has set apart for his glory. So as we begin this, this book, it's only seven, seven chapters, super short. It's actually on, it's on page 728 in the Pew Bible. Because it's kind of hard to find. It's so short and it's in between. It's one of 12 latter prophets, minor prophets, the book of the 12. But in this book, what we see is we see a man named Micah. He's the author of this book. His name actually means who is like Yahweh, which can be a term of praise, who is like Yahweh? Or it can be a question, who is like Yahweh? No one is the correct answer, and we'll see that over the next three weeks. He's from a town called Morasheth, which means inheritance. Micah of Morasheth. Inheritance is a key term among the Israelites. They were promised a land. Abraham was, was told by God, you will be given a land and your offspring will be as plentiful as the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea, on the seashore. And then they enter the land after 40 years in the wilderness. And that land is given to them as an inheritance. Micah of Morasheth is the author. The audience is the Israelites. It's during the time, as we see in verse 1, of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. This would have been a span of about 35 years from 735 to 700 B.C. This is during the same time as Isaiah, one of our major prophets. The theme 
the theme, as we move through Micah, what you're going to see is Micah is going to move from oracles of doom to oracles of deliverance. Another way of saying this is oracles of just judgment and greater mercy and greater mercy. We're going to see a handful of doctrines throughout this book, including God, including the nations, including judgment and salvation. Over these three weeks, we're going to move through Micah in three movements, chapters 1 and 2, chapters 3 through 5, and chapters 6 through 7. Within this book, we see a messianic Davidic shepherd king. And he comes out at the end of each of these movements. There's a promise of someone who is to come. The context of Micah, it's in the Old Testament. It's actually in a, in a book that contains six different books in our, in our Old Testament. This would have been a single book in the Hebrew Bible. It's called the Book of the Twelve. We call them the Minor Prophets, the Latter Prophets. But so as, as we think about where Micah lands in the Book of the Twelve, it's right in the middle. So one commentator said, finally, from a larger perspective, Micah is uniquely situated as a decisive turning point in the Twelve with a movement from judgment to salvation in which Jerusalem is critical. The raised temple of judgment and destruction, right, this temple's gonna be destroyed, this city's gonna be destroyed, will become the raised, the raised temple of salvation and life for the nations as Yahweh, the Lord, regathers Israel and the nations and brings them all home. This is a great book. This is a book of doom and gloom Yet within it, we see great hope. The movements that, that I just spoke about a few minutes ago, they really have this pattern. There's a rebuke of sin and an announcement of judgment and then a promise of blessing in the Messiah. Just judgment, greater mercy. Today, we're going to look at the first two chapters. And this is our big idea. Find deliverance in the shepherd king for judgment is coming. Find deliverance in the shepherd king, for judgment is coming. Let me read these first two chapters for us. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, you people, all of you, pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it, and let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple, for behold, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth and the mountains will melt under him and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgressions of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high places of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I'll make Samaria a heap in the open country, a place for planting vineyards, and I will pour down her stones into the valley and, and uncover her foundations. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces, and all her wages shall be burned with fire. All her idols I will lay waste, for from the fee of a prostitute you, she gathered them, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. For this I will lament and wail. I will go stripped 
and naked. I will make lamentations like the jackals and mourning like the ostriches, for her wound is incurable and it has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. Tell it not in Gath, weep not at all. In Bethlehem, roll yourselves in the dust. Pass on your way, inhabitants of Shaphir, in nakedness and shame. The inhabitants of Zanan do not come out. The lamentation of Beth Ezel shall take away from you its standing place. For the inhabitants of Marath wait anxiously for good, because disasters come down from the Lord to the gate of Jerusalem. Harness the steeds to the chariots, inhabitants of Lachish. It was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, for in you were found the transgressions of Israel. Therefore you shall give parting gifts to Marisheth Goth. The houses of Oxib shall be a deceitful thing to the kings of Israel. I will again bring a conqueror to you, inhabitants of Marishah. The glory of Israel shall come to Adullam. Make yourselves bald and cut off your hair for the children of your delight. Make yourselves as bald as the eagle, for they shall go from you into exile. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them in houses and take them away. They oppress a man in his house, a man in his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family I am devising disaster from which you cannot remove your necks. And you shall not walk haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. In that day they shall take up a taunt song against you and, bone, and moan bitterly and say, we are utterly ruined. He changes the portion of my people, how he removes it from me. To an apostate he allots our field. Therefore you will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such things, disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob, has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? But lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by trustingly with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses, and from their young children you take away my splendor forever. Arise and go, for there's no place to rest because of uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction. If a man should go about in utter wind and lies, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be the preacher for this people. I will surely assemble all of you, O, o Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. Pray with me. Father, we, we need your spirit now to indwell, to give us ears to hear and eyes to see the beauty of your word. Father, here we see judgment, yet we know that you are a merciful God and you desire the salvation of the nations. So Father, stir our hearts now as we see the beauty of this passage. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Find deliverance in the shepherd king, for judgment is coming. This is the first movement that we see in Micah in chapters one and two. As we, as we come into Micah, Micah says, he writes, the word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth. The word of the Lord. This comes with authority. The word of the Lord. 
This is God's word. And we know from 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture is God-breathed. It comes with authority. So this is something we should listen to. This is something we should take to heart. What he is about to tell, yes, the Israelites, but also the church in the 21st century. So as we go into this, this first movement, really three truths stand out. And it's, it's really based around the pattern that I've already told you. The first is sin abounds. Sin abounds. The second is judgment is coming. Sin abounds. Judgment is coming. And the third is deliverance is available. Sin abounds. Judgment is coming. But deliverance is available. Sin abounds. Let's begin in verse 2 where we see that sin abounds and sin is universal. It is universal. There's a call to hear right here in 1-2. We're going to see it again in 3-1 and 6-1. It's a way for Micah to break up these different sections of his book. Hear, O you peoples. This morning I was reading and the Shema came up in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hear, you peoples. This is a call to all peoples of the earth, not just the Israelites. Hear, you peoples, all of you. Pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. This is for all creation, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Hear what the Lord has to say. It is a universal call because sin is universal. The Lord sees, for he is overall. He sees the wickedness that abounds. He is saying, peoples, earth, take care. Look at what I'm about to do to my people because of their sin. And then in 3 and 4, we see that sin deserves punishment. It deserves punishment. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. He's in his holy temple, and he's coming out of his place. He's coming down. And what's he coming down to do? He's coming down to tread upon the high places of the earth. He's coming down to tread over the idolatry of the world. It says that the mountains will melt, the valleys will split, the wax before the fire, like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. We understand this, right? Wax melts in front of fire. Water flows down over a steep place. This is what's going to happen to the mountains. They're going to melt. The valleys are going to be no more because the Lord is coming to judge. He is bringing punishment. His wrath comes. We saw this in Genesis 11 where the Lord comes down to see this tower of Babel. And in that he destroys this tower and he disperses the people over all the earth because they were not obeying him. The same is happening here. Our sin deserves to be destroyed and it will be destroyed. As we continue on, we see that sin spreads. It spreads. Verse 5 and verses 8 and 9. Listen to what he says. Why is he coming down? It's because of sin. It's because of the transgression of Jacob, the sin of the house of Israel. And he asked these questions, right? You saw these questions a minute ago. What is this sin? What is this transgression? What is this high place? 
Well, it's Samaria and Jerusalem. It's the capital cities of these places. You see that sin, it's boiling up in these capital cities. And then it's spreading throughout all the land. In verses 8 and 9, Micah, he, 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 he sees the judgment. He's prophesying the judgment. He knows what's about to come. And he really takes us to a funeral setting. He says, I, I well, I lament. I'm stripped and naked. I don't know what to do. I'm broken over the sin of my people. He says, I'm, I'm crying out like a jackal and like an ostrich. I don't know what the noise of an ostrich is crying out. But I, I know, I've heard, I've heard in like, you know, some of those planet Earth things, I've heard the cries of jackals. I, it's a high-pitched, crazy cry. Sounds like a baby screaming. That's what's going on in his life right now. He's lamenting, he's mourning over the brokenness of sin, over what sin is doing and what, what punishment is coming. And then he says that it, it not only, it's not only incurable, but it's actually spreading. It has come to Judah. It's reached to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. We see that this idolatry, this, this injustice that's happening in Samaria, and it has spread to Jerusalem and throughout all of Judah. You see, sin spreads. From Genesis 3, when sin came into the world, we've seen that sin has spread to all humanity. Through the sin of one man, sin has come to all men. We've got a problem. Sin abounds. It's universal. It deserves punishment. It spreads. And it destroys. It destroys. 2, 1 and 2 and verses 8 and 9 show us how destructive sin is. There's a woe here. There's a warning to the evil people in 2, 1 and 2. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. Just, just think about this for a minute. It says they are sitting on their beds at night and they are devise, they're, they're devising wickedness. They're, they're planning, they're plotting, they're scheming ways to sin. They're scheming ways to bring wickedness to crush people. And then he, he says what they did. In verse 2, they covet fields and seize them. This is, this is people doing this to their own people, the chosen people of God. It says they're looking at their fields and they're coveting them. They want them. They, de they desire them. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. This inheritance was given by God to the 12 tribes of Israel, right? As, a, as an inheritance that was to last forever. A land that was to be forever. Now we see it being stolen and taken away. These evil people, their sin is actually working to destroy others. They are, they're pillaging others. They're plotting against others. That's what we see in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. As you think about sin... 
that runs rampant in our country, in our city, from corrupt governments to corrupt politicians to corruption everywhere to injustices that we see to to abortion clinics right we see this and these things these people they're they're plotting wickedness on their beds and in the morning they're doing it does your heart break like micah's did do you lament do you wail like jackals does it break you? And then another question to ponder, these wicked people, these evil people are plotting, scheming wickedness. What if we as a church, I don't know if plotted or schemed is the right word, what if we plotted or schemed blessings on our neighbors, on our beds at night, instead of plotting and scheming wickedness? like the world, what if we plotted and schemed blessings on our neighbors? Looked for ways to care, to love, to bless neighbors and even our enemies. You see, sin destroys. In verses eight and nine, not only are they stealing land and inheritance, but they're also going after the least of these. They're going after women and children, leaving them with nothing. They've, they've risen up, and now they're attacking the least of these. They are taking their land. They're taking their houses. And the Lord, from his high place, from heaven, he looks down and he sees that sin is abounding among his chosen people. It has infected all people, for it is universal. It spreads, it destroys, and now we see that the Lord will judge. Judgment is coming upon these people. Judgment is coming. And what we see in verses six and seven of chapter one is that it is from the Lord. The Lord sees in verses two and three and then he comes down to bring judgment. And in verses 6 and 7, it's actually him speaking. Therefore, I will make Samaria heap in the open country. He's going to take this capital city and he's going to destroy it. It's going to be a heap of rocks. It's going to be a place for planting vineyards. It's no longer going to be a city. I'll pour down her stones into the valleys and uncover her foundations. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her wages shall be burned with fire and all her idols I will lay waste. God is coming to judge because of their idolatry. And when he comes, he is gonna destroy all their high places, all their idols. For from the fee of a prostitute, she gathered them and to the fee of a prostitute, they shall return. You see, as the people of Israel are moving into the land, God said, God said, take care, get out all the peoples of this land because if you do not, their ways, their gods will infiltrate your, your people. And they don't do it. They allow them to stay. And what happens is now they're going to the cult prostitutes. 
They're worshiping the idols through that. And God says, it'll be returned to them. I'm coming to destroy it all. Samaria, I am coming to destroy. It's from the Lord. He is the just judge. He is the one who is holy. He is the creator. He is the one who can do this because all of this sin is against him. Against you only have I sinned. All of it's against him and against his majesty. So now he comes to destroy, to bring judgment. Second, this judgment is coming and it, it is inescapable. It is inescapable. Since sin is universal, judgment is inescapable for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. In 2.3, the Lord says he is devising disaster and it cannot be removed. He's devising disaster and it cannot be removed. It is like a yoke on your neck and you cannot remove it. You shall not walk haughtily for it be a time of disaster. In that day, they shall take up a taunt song against you and moan bitterly and say, we are utterly ruined. He changes the portion of my people. It is inescapable. Where the wicked plotted evil and devised evil, God is devising disaster upon them. In 1, 10 to 16, you probably picked up on this. There's a lot of names of little towns and villages and cities around. And what Micah's doing in the Hebrew, it's all English right here for us. Anybody read Hebrew? Maybe a little bit? All right, cool. Um, you, can check my, you can check this later. Uh, I'm not going to go through everything. In 10 to 16, Micah's doing like, he's playing on words, okay? He's, he's, playing, he's playing on words, like in verse 10, tell it not in Gath. Gath means the tell city, like T-E-L-L, so tell it not in the tell city. So you see how he's playing with that? He says, weep, or he says, in Beth, Leafra, roll yourselves in the dust. This word means like the dust city, the city of dust. Hey, in the city of dust, roll yourselves in the dust. Pass on your way, inhabitants of Shafer, in nakedness and shame. Shafer, this, this word means like the beauty city. Hey, in the beauty city, you're going to be naked and shame, shameful. Right? That's what he's doing throughout all of this. And, and he's playing on these words, and he's saying, hey, it, 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 it's coming to you as well. You can't escape. Judgment's coming. You can see it in all your city names and what's happening in your cities. I'm going to bring a conqueror in there. You're, you're, you were the beginning of sin in Israel. You see, he's just, he's just bringing it to all the people and saying, hey, judgment's coming, people. Judgment is coming and you cannot escape. All will witness this judgment and then in 116, it culminates in this judgment of exile. They shall go from you into exile. This was the curse of disobedience to the people of Israel. If you obey, there will be blessing. If you disobey, there will be curses. And the curses culminated in exile from the land. You'll no longer be God's people you'll be cast out of the land. So judgment's coming and it's from the Lord. It's inescapable. Yet the false prophets or other prophets during this time were actually denying it. Judgment is denied. 
by the false prophets. In 2, 6, and 7, we see that Micah is being told not to preach, for he is preaching lies. False prophets are saying, do not preach. He says, do not preach, thus they preach. Right? Somebody else is preaching. The false prophets are preaching. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. God's chosen people will not be disgraced. That's what they're saying. And Micah is saying, yeah, they will. Because you're not walking in accordance with the law of the Lord. You're walking in disobedience. Your sin abounds. The false prophets were saying, you will remain God's people no matter what. You can live however you wish. You can do whatever you want. And Micah's saying, no. That's not the way of the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. After that, it says, be sure to teach these things to your children. As you get up and as you walk around and as you lay down, teach them that they may obey. That was Jesus' desire for his people. Hey, abide in me. And, and the way you show you're abiding is if you obey my commands. You cannot live however you wish. God's desire is that his words would do good. Is that he would do good to those who walk uprightly. God's desire is for a people who are shining as lights in a dark world. God's desire is for a people who walk worthily of the gospel to which they've been called. These people were not. These false prophets were not. And they were telling the people they could do whatever they wanted. Again, in 10 and 11, we see the same thing. 2, 10 and 11. Micah says, hey, if there was a man, a preacher, who came and, and was just preaching of wine and strong drink, he would, be, he would be the preacher for this people. You would be pleased by him. You would want to hear him. Because he's saying, hey, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Let's do what we want to do. You can do anything you want to do as long as you got this little fire insurance, believing in Jesus. Now live like the world. Do what you want to do. Paul, Paul told Timothy to watch out for these people. He said, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We have preachers like this today. We have false prophets in our churches like this today. Live like you want. All you need to do is believe in Jesus and then you're good to go. Micah begins this book with doom and gloom. Sin abounds. The Lord is coming and he will judge. And this judgment is not good. He will utterly destroy. Yet, yet, Micah ends this section with hope, with hope. In verses 12 and 13, he says, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. 
I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the breach goes up before them. They break through and pass the gate, going out by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. Church, this is true for us, but this is true also for the peoples of the earth. Hear, O peoples, hear all the earth. Deliverance is available. Deliverance is available. We see the Lord act on behalf of his people. Sin deserves death. That's what it deserves. That's the wage that you get because of your sin is death. Our sin will be judged just like the Israelite sin was judged. They were killed for their sin, exiled to foreign lands, but there is hope. God has a remnant that he is calling from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. There are really four figures, four words that we see in these two verses that help us understand the Lord's work to deliver his people. The first one is a picture of a shepherd in verse 12. This is the Lord speaking. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. God says, I'm going to gather you. I'm going to assemble you. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a, pa- like a flock in its pasture. The, wor- the Lord is going to do the work. He says he's going to gather the sheep. He's a shepherd. He will assemble and gather. He will protect the flock. He's a shepherd, and his people know his voice. Not only is there a shepherd, but there's also one who is in exile with them and will bring them out. Look at verse 12. He who opens the breach goes up before them. There's something in the way. There's a gate in the way. And there's one with them that's going to go up before them. And he's going to break the gate. He's going to open the breach. He's going to break through so that others can. He's the liberator. We see a shepherd here. We see a liberator or a breaker, someone who breaks in or breaks out. But he's with them. He breaks open the gate so that the people can also pass through. He delivers the people out of bondage. And then as we continue on, The end of verse 13, their king passes on before them. There's a king in the lead. He's the king who goes before them. And then finally, Micah parallels the king with the Lord. This is, most of Micah is poetry. There's a ton of parallelism here. And here he parallels. Their king passes on before them. The Lord is at their head. This is the same person. The king, the Lord, is before them and at their head. It seems as if this king and Lord are the same. As the band makes their way up, and we sing our last song, sin abounds. And judgment is coming. All of us, all of us in here, all of our neighbors, our friends, our families, all the peoples of the earth stand 
condemned before God because of our sin, and we deserve judgment and death. Yet deliverance is available. 700 years after Micah prophesied, a man came on the scene who is the good shepherd. <laughs> he is the liberator of the grave. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. He calls you by name and his sheep hear his voice. He laid down his life for his people and by laying down his life, he took the judgment our sin deserves. Judgment is inescapable unless you have one who took it for you. Jesus, he died the death we deserve. He took the wrath of God, the judgment of God for us, and he was buried in the tomb. Yet, he did not stay in the tomb, but he broke free on the third day, rising from the dead to lead us through the bonds of sin and death. You see, he led the way. He has broken the bond of death. He's the liberator. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning and ruling as the high king. Today, your sin and judgment can be taken away through the finished work of Jesus. You can now escape because Jesus has paid the price and broken the bonds of sin and death. Hallelujah, what a savior. Let's pray. Our Father, you are so good. You have done everything for us. You have called us to be your sheep, for you sent the good shepherd. Oh God, we know his voice. Father, thank you for life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for making a way for us to be reconciled to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If y'all would.